the Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents Worldview Media Podcast, where Gordon and Joyce Runyon view popular media through the lens of the biblical five-point covenant model to help believers appreciate and apply principles of exciting narrative and engaging storytelling. And welcome to the latest exciting edition of the Worldview Media Podcast. I'm your host, Gordon Runyon, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in the big city of Tucumcari, New Mexico. (laughs) And with me are two women who draw none of their powers from the dark dimension. (laughs) At least not that I know. It's my wife Joyce here in studio. Hello. Hello, and my oldest daughter Carmen on the phone. Hello, Carmen. Hello. I've come to bargain. You've oh. come to bargain. She's come to bargain. Mm-hmm. Oh, you've come to bargain. Okay. Yep. All right. So here we're going to do an unusual thing on the Worldview Media podcast. We're going to talk about a movie that's actually still in the theaters. <laughs> Semi-recent. <laughs> We're almost relevant. <laughs> yeah, let's not go too far. Okay, so we're going to talk about Doctor Strange, starring Benedict Cumberbatch, and taking the whole Marvel Universe in a brand new direction. There you go. Whether that's a good direction or not... I don't know. What? <laughs> okay, so uh, let's start out by, let me ask y'all, Carmen, give me some overall impressions. I actually liked it. Um, I like Doctor Strange, like the character, I think Benedict Cumberbatch did a good job, like all of the supporting actors, um, I think it was uh, a lot deeper of a movie maybe than we've seen in like other scenarios, you know, that we had like the really, uh, like, uh, like po- politic heavy in, um, similar, but, uh, yeah. in Doctor Strange we get, um, you, we do get into a little bit new territory with kind of thoughts about, uh, like purpose and what are we here for and what's worth doing and what are the consequences of what is worth doing and, um, you know, what, what value do people have? Um, and then also, like, I saw it was a good movie on there. There's a lot of, like, funny stuff in there. Um, it was a little CGI heavy for me at, like, one point, but other than that, I was all left for it. All right. And you, Mama? I think I tend to agree with Carmen. I, especially some some scenes that went maybe a little bit too long just because they thought it was cool, I guess. So, But uh, there were some interesting things looking at like Herman said purpose or is this random does it matter what I'm here for am I here for anything other than myself and what I can accomplish in this moment and so it did look at some different things than you normally find in a lot of the superhero movies that are out and about so uh and it's a little bit different but I I enjoyed it Yeah, I guess in terms of just if you're looking for a summer action blockbuster in the, well, we saw it close to winter time. Yeah, so uh, 
I guess it's fine for that. It's kind of uh, like riding a roller coaster or something. There's nothing wrong with it in, in, in those terms. I actually had some pretty significant worldview issues with it that we'll, we'll get into after the break. But uh, I had one, I had one storytelling issue that I didn't think got resolved. Maybe y'all can set me straight. But when the when the girl sorcerer supreme, when she when she is revealed as having actually drawn uh, her power from this evil place called the dark dimension. Uh, I didn't feel like that. The I didn't feel like they made a great stab at trying to justify any of that, or or even explaining why it was terribly significant. And uh, it seemed like the <clears throat> the other characters around thought it was horrible and and significant, but I didn't. I guess I really didn't get it from the movie itself why that was such a big deal or why it was a betrayal or if, yeah, if was it so was <laughs> if it if it was an evil thing what was her justification for doing it i never it just seemed like none of that was explained or or i missed it when it was explained well i think part of the reason that everybody like more doing everything is so just like distraught that the fact that she says you know because the whole thing is that she's been alive for long time you know, that she's been the Sorcerer Supreme for a long time. So she's been the one that's kind of set uh, the rules of, you know, how they do things. And she's always told them, you know, like, we don't do this. This is something that we can't do. You know, this is against what we do and stuff like that. And then to have someone come, like, someone who's saying that to you, you know, suddenly like, oh, this is actually what you've been doing this whole time. That's like the secret to how you've been around for so long, you know. And I think that's, I, you know, I haven't seen it in a couple of weeks. It's probably been uh, at least a month since I've seen the movie, but I think it was kind of implied that that's how she's kind of uh, cheated death, is that she's been holding on to this dark side power. And uh, dark dimension, not dark side. This isn't the first um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, that I can... I understand why that's a big issue for, for everybody else except for, like, Dr. Strange because he's really just kind of rotten there, so it's not really a huge thing for him. Yeah, he but, doesn't know any better. There's no rules for him. So you're saying, yeah. it, was, you're saying it was about the hypocrisy of the move? Yeah. Okay. I think that, that's what a big part of it was for them is that, you know, that they've been dedicated to keeping this, um, this dark dimension from Earth and everything for so long, led by this one woman who... All of a sudden, you know, like she's giving you, she's giving you all of these keys to the universe and everything, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh, the thing I told you never to do, I've been doing it this whole time, you know. Yeah. And I think her yeah. explanation for it was that, you know, uh, something about balance. Oh. You know, okay. That you can't, you can't just get rid of it. It's still going to be there. But like, like I said, it's not the force, but like, there's, if there's light, there's going to be dark, so you can't. Can't just get rid of something. Right, right. Well, it's then it would make it very similar to the Force and and other kind of Eastern ideas that that uh, evil evil actually has a good role to play by by you know striking balance and stuff like that. 
Well, I also yeah. think there was a difference between the ancient one and the guy that was trying to actively bring this dark dimension in, and, and you could just see the difference in their countenance. So where one was consuming the one person and she was not consumed by it. And I don't yeah. know if that was just because she was more controlled in her interactions with it. I don't, you know, that wasn't explained really, but right. you know, there definitely was a difference between the two of them and how they interacted with it. Right. Right. Yeah. And then the, the other guy, he was, um, like you said, well, the ancient one I think was not so much like, a brighter point something that i did like about the movie that kind of was a pleasant surprise and i think you alluded to it when the when the previews and trailers came out of course the special effects are pretty mind-boggling and and dazzling <laughs> the first time that you see them and it was a little bit my fear that that the innovative visuals we're going to be the engine of the whole movie. Yeah. And uh, I was pleasantly surprised to see that they really weren't. There were, like your mom says, I I think I know the scene that she's talking about. It's a chase scene. And, and uh, through all these, you know, these bending places and stuff like that. And, and I kind of got the feeling it went on for a little longer than it had to. And, and it was probably just as a way of showcasing the special effects. But overall, the movie really didn't lean on those things as much as I was afraid that it would. So that was a good thing. And I felt like maybe this movie more than any other, precisely because it's just kind of a goofy superhero movie and and it is heavy with special effects, all of that kind of stacked against him. I felt like Benedict Cumberbatch did an amazing job as an actor yeah. and just kind of grounding the whole movie and not being overwhelmed by all these effects and, and all the flash and stuff. He was kind of able to not, not get lost in the shuffle, so to speak. So I really felt like it yeah. highlighted him as an actor and, and he did a good job. Yeah. Well, like, for all of the special effects and everything that was going on in that movie, it was, it, it's an incredibly, like, character-driven piece. You know, Marvel's really good about having their uh, movies be focused on the characters and what the characters are going through. And I think it really, that style is really kind of highlighted in this film because, like, it's all special effects and everything, but it's all about um, how Strange, you know, interacts with all these different people. And from... Um, like the point of Strange in this whole film, like uh, we didn't see London's sanctum fall, which I thought was really kind of interesting because we just hear about it. You know, Stephen hears about it. He doesn't go see it. We don't go look at it. You know, it's just a hey, this has fallen and all this stuff is going on. But we stay with him and see what he sees and go through what he goes through. Yeah, yeah. 
and and that's I think that like you said that's kind of a credit to the writing and and to what they wanted to focus on. Yeah. All right, any other overall thoughts before we go to our break? <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's have our break and then we'll come back and we'll we'll run Doctor Strange through the Five Point Covenant meat grinder and see what kind of sausage comes out. So here's our break. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His Kingdom. And we're back. Thanks again for joining us on the Worldview Media Podcast. Please remember to hook up with us on Facebook and just give us whatever feedback. And just know we'll be very appreciative of all the good comments and and quite dismissive of all the bad ones. All bad comments be sent to the dark dimension. Right. you know what? I'm going to put this out. This is a Worldview Media podcast announcement and looking for volunteers and feedback from the audience here. I want to do an episode where we analyze the movie Braveheart, but Joyce does not want to watch Braveheart again. And so what I am looking for is a member of the audience who is willing to watch Braveheart and then come on the podcast via phone with me and the two of us will do this <laughs> do this job. So if you're out there and you can do this or, or do it better than us, it's not like we've set the bar super high or anything. So uh, <laughs> Right, we're only semi-relevant. So we're going back to the 90s to look at Braveheart and... And uh, if that sounds good to you, it's one of your favorite movies like it is mine, and you want to help me uh, talk about it, uh, contact us on Facebook. All right, so we're talking Doctor Strange, and we're going to look at, at how what sort of worldview it preaches. We're going to analyze it in terms of the biblical covenant. The first point of the covenant is transcendence, and there are a couple of questions we generally ask at this point. Uh, to point to the transcendent power in the story that we're looking at. And one of the questions is, who's the ultimate lawmaker or lawgiver? Because in the Bible, of course, that's God who is transcendent. And then another question that is sometimes helpful is to think about 
how are do any of the characters experience like a a character arc that represents some form of redemption uh because the transcendent god of the bible is often revealed in terms of his being the only possible redeemer of mankind so those are just some questions who who makes the laws and and how are characters redeemed and does this point to any kind of transcendence so carmen you have anything on this Um, okay, so I think it's, uh, I think it's really easy to kind of, like, in the Doctor Strange universe, um, the idea of transcendence is kind of just laid out very easily in the title of the Sorcerer Supreme, you know, oh, that, yeah. uh, that in kind of, uh, Strange's world that he's, uh, kind of getting into in this film, the Sorcerer Supreme is the one who makes the rules and who says, this is what we do and this is what we don't do. Um, the ancient one, who in the movies played by Tilda, Tilda Swinton, um, she's been the Sorcerer Supreme for however long. Like I said, I can't remember. It's been a while since I've seen it. But, um, so she's made the rules. She's, she's the boss. Um, but, you know, then you have to think before her, there is, was another sorcerer supreme and um you know all these other supremes who said this is what we do this is what we don't do these are the rules and uh we can see that in like in the library that uh you know strange goes and studies and he steals books from um <laughs> you know <laughs> that, that these are the people who have set what the rules are you know that he antagonizes long about is like oh, you know all these books um so I think that's the transcendent thing of it. Um, there's also a level of transcendence in just the arena of this magic as well because uh, they're they're transcending um, like the the physical body into you know this other world, the uh, mirror world, and, uh, mirror dimension. We, we can't keep them all straight to get the but there's all these other places in the astral plane. Um, for redemption, I think. Strange himself, you know, takes a very big step into that um, because, you know, at the beginning of the movie we see him, you know, he's obsessed with success and he's obsessed with himself and he's obsessed with all these things and then he loses it and um, he has to pick himself back up and it takes him a very long time to try and do that, you know, but, and his, his thing is in that he's trying to get better, he's trying to be what he was, you know, that he loses his hair, and he's not trying to just get better. He wants to be Stephen Strange, the brilliant neurosurgeon again, not just Stephen Strange who can use his hands. And, um, you know, he gets to the end of the film, and everybody keeps asking, like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? And, um, you know, he has to, at the end of the film, spoiler in case you haven't seen it, but it's been out for a while, uh, <laughs> he, has to, he has to face the idea of... Um, success and failure is his understanding of what that is um, because the, the way that he beats this big monster at the end is through failure and not just one failure but repeated failures um, you know that scene goes on for a good amount of time but you can just imagine that that's just like the highlight reel of Stephen Strange losing um, and you know to have because like if you have any sense of perfectionism at all to, to watch that is kind of painful to watch because this 
guy is literally a perfectionist, you know, only takes cases that he knows are going to work and that he's going to become more successful off of. And to push that aside and walk directly into a no-win situation that you know there's nothing you can do about um, for the sake of taking care of people who before he said, you know, are just kind of meaningless blips. Um, I think it's a very big redemption sequence for him. Okay, that's interesting. That was not something I had considered. You got anything, Mama? Well, I, I agree with Carmen about the the Ancient One kind of being the transcendent. And also with the Doctor Strange character kind of changing his views. Because he comes in, we start the movie with him thinking it's all random, it's all chaotic, nothing really matters. All I have right now is what I can do. And it's about what I can do, and it's about me, and and uh, and all of that changes, and it changes instantly. I think so many times, um, especially when you're in a, a situation where you're powerful, you just think you're going to remain that way, and so it's sometimes shocking when just what seems random and haphazard that it takes that away from you. Yeah, I think that I, as I was thinking about transcendence, it occurred to me that I think the, I guess my conclusion was that all the magicians were transcendent, that there were, that the magic that they were doing allowed them to transcend, you know, all the, all the physical laws in this, in this universe. And they could basically, uh, be rulers and commanders in in all these different parallel universes and dimensions and and so just the magic they were doing they could get to a they could achieve a transcendence over all these things and which uh uh Doctor Strange eventually does. But and, they were still underneath the one the one lady. You know that these Yeah, are I can see how she was the leader of them, but she kind of led them into their own transcendence, you know, because if they, if they were good enough doing their magic, then, then they really could, uh, get over on everything. And there was nothing that was, you know, outside of their reach and stuff like that. That's kind of what I thought, but, but you are right in terms of, as far as we know, it was that, it was that the ancient one, the bald lady who was making all the rules and stuff. Well, and the one guy who didn't follow the rules was no longer there and right. was delving yeah. into different things and, and you yeah. know, not doing what was really right. PC there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, then, like, the order in itself, just a quick thing is, like, the order in itself seems to be more dedicated towards uh, the helping of others, sort of. You know, you didn't see them just using their powers to, like, you know, like, I just watched Fantastic Beasts the other day, but, like, make, uh, like, uh, dinner for themselves. You know, they weren't using it for that. They were using it to train to protect people, and the other guy was more selfish. So it's kind of funny to see selfish strange go towards the other instead. Yeah. Without really kind of thinking about it. Right, right. Okay. So the second point of the biblical covenant is who is the... Who is the visible earthly representation of the transcendent power? In the Bible, of course, God is the only transcendent one. And 
And he has representatives on the earth, those who are leaders in his covenant. Specifically now, Jesus Christ in the flesh was the ultimate uh the ultimate representation, but man himself, you know, male and female created in the image of God represents God on the earth. And and so you have a lot of different ways about talking about representation. So if we admit that the Sorcerer Supreme was kind of the big transcendent honcho in the movie, then uh, would the other magicians that she was training, are they... Are they the obvious choice for the representation? I've got I to go. That, go ahead. Well, like I said, I think that she's kind of the, the representation in, in and of itself. I think the role of the Sorcerer Supreme is supposed to be that kind of, um, that thing is that this is a person who is beyond everything else that anybody else can do, you know? And, uh, Well, I see Doctor Strange himself as being that representative because he's he starts off just as a regular guy who who has no clue. He isn't yeah. aware that there's anything other than the right. physical around him. And you see him go through this process of losing everything in order to find yeah. something of greater worth than what he had to begin with. Right. And I don't think he... Uh, he doesn't realize that's what this journey is that he's going, you know, overseas right. to do. So I, I've got to go with, uh, with the doctor as the, okay. the person. Yeah. Dr. Strange as the representative. That makes some sense. Uh, well, that would make a lot of sense if we admit that magic itself is kind of the transcendent power. And then Dr. Strange becomes the clearest representative of that in the movie. And, uh, Okay, that's interesting. <laughs> so we get to the third part of the covenant, and it's about ethics, and it's the rules. Thou shalt do this, thou shalt not do this, in, in terms of the covenant that we're in. And in this movie, uh, this is kind of the beef, one of the beefs that I have with it. I was kind of hoping that they would go with a really fictional sort of... of uh, magic in terms of in terms of maybe it being some kind of innate biological power or something and or even a, a just a foreign sort of technology but they went full mysticism with it and in fact we're referencing things like sorcerers in Egypt and the and the Celtic wizards and stuff like that and so uh I think what that immediately does is it makes the whole worldview then uh, very pagan, and and that's I think that's clearly what we have going on throughout the movie. It's a it's an extremely pagan worldview, and I think that 
that looks like maybe a turn, like a turning place in the Marvel Universe, except that uh, all the Marvel movies up until now have been uh, naturalistic and evolutionary, which I believe Dr. Francis Schaeffer used to point out that that's really just half a step away from paganism, that that all you need is all you need from materialistic naturalism and evolution, all you need to turn into full-blown paganism is just kind of an unwarranted leap into uh, what he called non-reason or uh, some kind of, you know, you just realize at some point, I can't live on this low level of existence. And, and so even though nothing I see points to the spiritual realm, I'm just going to take a leap and and make something up and go there. And and so it winds up being that that atheistic evolutionary naturalism is really not terribly far separated from paganism. And as we've mentioned it before that both systems believe in a unity of being and and make a lot of hay with that idea that all living things are related and basically made of the same stuff and that's a pagan idea and 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 I guess it's the it that paganism shows up a lot in terms of the ethics in this movie because I don't know if you all caught it, but there were a couple mentions made of natural law and how the sorcerers were not supposed to break the natural law, but then a couple of times they did break it, and mm-hmm. then it was just like, well, you really shouldn't do that. But <laughs> you know, there were no. I didn't feel like there was any big deal about it. They were almost, they're more like guidelines, really. And it's not, <laughs> and and there was no explanation of what that natural law really was. And, and so I think Carmen hit it on the head in, in point one when she talked about the fact that really the only rules that these sorcerers follow is the ones that they make up for themselves or that the, the head honcho makes up and, and even those are flexible, and you can bend those if you just really feel like you want to or need to or something like that. So ethics is very wishy-washy for me in this movie. I don't know what y'all think. Eh, I can say, yeah, maybe so. But I still think that there's some things that were a little bit more concrete with like the ending of it. And uh, I think Strange goes in wanting to be maybe a little bit more moral. I don't know if he if he gets that or not because and I don't even know if that's the right word cuz he's breaking rules left and right himself. You know, they say right. don't yeah. do this and he's like but I can, so I'm going to. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. But uh I don't know about if I'd go full wishy-washy with you. <laughs> Well, I just mean that even when they talk about rules, they're really not rules because they, it's really more like what you were saying. Strange says, yes, there are rules, but I'm going to break them because I can and will probably get away with it. And so then the, then the real rule is anything is acceptable as long as you're willing to deal with the consequences and and you can, in fact, do this, then everything's open to you. But I think part of the deal with Strange, too, is that he, this is a brand new world to him, so he doesn't know what 
what are consequences? What does this mean? How does me yeah. doing any of this stuff relate to what I see and what's real? And, right. you know, it. I kind of think he sees it just like, well, these are cool magic tricks and I can pull it off and I can do it. And isn't this neat? And so I don't think he gets the, the weight of the responsibility or really the power that's involved with all of that either. Oh, sure. Yeah. We, we do see some consequences with, like, the stuff that he does and everything, like, and with some of the other characters, uh, you know, they've been told, you know, you don't talk to, you don't contact normal moves, you know, you don't touch the dark side, and we see these people who've done it, and they've, like, lost it, you know. Yeah. Um, and well, they have no, like, they, they just don't make sense anymore. Um, and then, you know, they tell Strange, you don't mess with, you don't mess with time, you don't want to create a time loop, you know, what kind of, kind of, you know, thing you're messing with here. And so then he does, at the end of the movie, he goes and creates a time loop. And uh, his time loop is basically that he dies. You know, he just gets killed in um, what I would assume are extremely excruciating manners. I mean, he gets uh, vaporized at least twice, uh, crushed a couple times, you know. So if, um, and thankfully for him, he kind of knew what he was doing when he did that. So he was able to break it. But, you know, if that, was something that he went into just kind of like, oh, blah, 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 here's a time loop, let's get in it, you know? Um, then you could, you know, spend eternity just being slaughtered. Yeah. Um, so there's there's some consequences that you see, but, uh, you know, I think you're, 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 in, you're in the right in saying that a lot of it is based on, um, it's not based on anything, you know, a lot of it is based on the uh, very you know, kind of humanistic mold of what I feel is right in this moment is what's right, you yeah, know? right, right. And that's really not a way to build a world you want <laughs> right. because, you but, know, from moment to moment, you know, hey, I want to eat this giant cheeseburger. Oh, that's great. And then two minutes later, like, I ate way too much. I didn't want to eat that giant cheeseburger. That was the wrong thing to do, you know? Well, but, I think, I think that's consistent, though, with the rest of the Marvel Universe. You know, uh, a lot of the heroes are folks who, you know, it's just kind of cute when they get away with breaking a rule here and there because they can, and, and we laugh along with them when they do. And and I kind of think that's an underlying thing, that if you can get away with it and you're doing it with a quote-unquote good heart and stuff like that, then you can, you can just, the real ethic is do what you can and as long as you're, you know, trying to do good or something like that. <laughs> as you define what good is in the moment or something like that. So uh, that for me was a little bit disappointing. That made the whole movie kind of, it took on an unpleasant tinge for me because I go into the movie wanting to root for Doctor Strange. I know he's the hero, but uh, the whole situation sets him up as like, uh, Captain Pagan, and it was hard for me to root for him then. And uh, I mean, I know he's still the good guy, and he winds up doing good things and and stuff like that. But the the uh, the outright paganism of the movie just blew me away. You know, I don't have the same sorts of problems with Harry Potter because they treat magic differently, and and magic is treated differently in the Lord of the Rings or C.S. Lewis and stuff like that. But here they just. Uh, they just steered into it, you know, and and went full pagan with uh, with all this stuff. <laughs> and you know, once you go full pagan, it's hard to come back. And 
and uh, and so uh, that that was made it hard for me to enjoy. But you started touching on another on point four of the covenant. This is where we talk about oaths and sanctions and promises. If I do not do this, then may these things happen to me. And this is where we talk about whether or not characters get what they deserved or what were the consequences of their actions in in, in terms of the covenant that's being established in the in the world that we're looking at. So, uh, Carmen, you have some thoughts on that? You, you talked a little bit about it already, but I don't know if you're if you got yeah. more. <laughs> um, well, I think, yeah, you know, I think I do. I had a thought, and I had to think about it for a second. Um, well, the first thing is, uh, um, okay, what is it? So, first off, uh, Mordu, his, or Mordo, his little buddy that he made, you know, that, um, at, at the beginning of the movie, you know, we have Strange and Mordo who are, like, uh, uh, butting heads because, you know, Strange is all about, you know, we gotta push the envelope, we gotta do, you know, we gotta be better than we've ever been before, sort of thing, best of the best of the best there. And, um, you know, Mordo's like, we have rules for a reason, these are the, like, we have some rules, you know, <laughs> This is what we do. This is what we don't do. It's about focus. It's about discourse. It's about you know doing things methodically. Um, and so you know through the whole thing, Strange is the one you know he's like pushing the envelope and stealing books and taking the eye of Agamotto when he's not supposed to. Like, like that killed me. The whole movie. He's just running around with this thing. And they literally told him, "Don't touch that." And I'm like, okay. But uh, anyways, so. Uh, <laughs> Like, okay, you can't stop him. Um, and then um, Mordo is like, the whole time, he's like, this is the way things are done. We have to follow the rules and stuff. Um, so in in their um, kind of loose ideas of, you know, how things are supposed to be done, Mordo is actually the one who's actually doing things the way he's supposed to be done. And when um, the ancient one, uh, you know, kind of is outed as, you know, drawing from the dark side, that he... He, he falls apart, you know, his, uh, his worldview falls apart because, you know, these are all these things that I've been told, um, have been told to me by a hypocrite, you know, and at the end of the movie, we can see that he's, um, that's being, that's pushing him down a very, uh, dark direction, um, in his, you know, hope to try and, uh, reconcile what he believes to what, um, the reality of it is by killing other sorcerers, but there's too many sorcerers. It's been too, uh, too loose spreading all this out among people. Um, um, so I don't think he necessarily got what he deserved because, you know, um, he followed the rules and the system failed him, you know? Well, maybe, Um, maybe that's part of the theme though. I mean, uh, yeah. Or, or that, you know, look at Doctor Strange. He's a hero, and he breaks all the rules. And and what yeah. a fun guy he is. And and so yeah. maybe that's the real path to doing well is to flaunt the rules and or flout the rules. Yeah. I guess flaunting yeah, them then, would be a different theme. Flaunting. Um, and then the other one is uh, Strange himself. You know that he uh, he starts off you know, kind of just, you know, the arrogant dude, um, you know, that he makes his own rules and that he sets his, he creates procedures for brain surgery 
you know, um, that he has things named after him for all the great things that he's accomplished. Uh, so he's like, you know, he's achieved all this stuff and he's kind of a terrible person. And, you know, we have to watch him be a terrible person and you want to, like, oh, this guy's terrible. Um, but then, you know, once he is forcefully humbled um, and he has to kind of start from absolute rock bottom and, you know, has to learn some humility, um, that he gets to be successful again. And I don't know if that's him. Like, I think that kind of appeals to our, our sense of, like, justice in a way, you know, that, like, the bad, this arrogant guy, you know, cut me off, and then he gets cut off somewhere else, so that's, that's fair, <laughs> you know, with, with air quotes, you know, but, you know, the nice guy, the nice guy gets to have what he is, you know, that he had to go through the kind of job cycle, that he loses everything and then gets back mm. more, I guess, so, right. I don't know, complicated. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then <laughs> I'm feeling you. Okay, and then <laughs> that's what all the cool kids say. And and so uh, the bad guys do generally get what's coming to them. The story isn't finished with several of the bad guys. This was the first mm-hmm. act, and and I'm sure we'll see them again. But several of the bad guys, uh, you know. You wanted the dark dimension. Well, here you go. You're gonna have it forever, and yeah. and uh, yeah. and you can see how that was gonna turn out badly, and and all that. So, uh, that's some stuff about sanctions and rewards. There, the fifth point of the covenant is secession, and how this is gonna continue. It's where we talk about things like inheritance and and child rearing, and and our views of the future, and how this is gonna be, and. Uh, I guess I think the movie, you know, obviously it's not a one-off. It's meant to be, it's obviously meant to have movies come after it that continue the story. But we do see Doctor Strange now in the position of the Sorcerer Supreme, and he's taken it upon himself to become like the protector of Earth from interdimensional bad guys and stuff. and. And so, is this going to change the whole covenant? I mean, uh, if the whole worldview is about who these sorcerers are and what they do and what rules they follow, well, this seems to then upend the whole thing because I don't think he's going to draw dark power from the dark dimension and and (laughs) he's probably going to insert his own rules you know, where he thinks that he has better ideas. And it just seems to me like the future of this outfit is that everything's up in the air. It, it could all change. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think, well, Mom? Well, I think, yeah, we don't know what's going to happen from here because the person that's been there forever yeah. is not there anymore. And so um, and I definitely don't see him doing anything with the dark dimension <laughs> or even the dark dimension wanting him to go there, (laughs) you know, they're not on good terms exactly. So, uh, yeah, things are going to be changing, but I still think that strange is he's still developing. He's still kind of figuring out who he is and what his place is. And, and we'll see because he's just one of the guys, you know, yeah, but there's, don't you think there's some schizophrenia there? Because, 
he is learning, he's trying to find his place, but to find his place kind of implies that there's somebody above him who's already determined what his place is, you know, and uh, like, you can't have a destiny without a predestinator, and, yeah. and uh, so it it seems a little bit schizophrenic world-wise, worldview-wise at that point for me. Carmen, you got anything else? We we need to wrap this up. Yeah. Well, um, what's the inheritance and succession thing? Um, he he does actually inherit like some things. Um, so I guess that I'm not sure if he's the the sorcerer supreme at the end of the movie yet. Um, it's kind of hinted that that's what he's going to become. Um, but you know, he gets his relics, but he gets the cloak yeah. of limitation that the comes to him. That that's his inheritance. Yeah. Um. And he gets his eye of um, Amamoto, that that's something that he inherits and that he receives. Um, and that he also gets his house that he lived in, that uh, Bleecker Street house is his um, his inheritance. That's what he gets to perform his job as uh, the Sorcerer Supreme. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. you know, so there's some, there's some physical things that he he gets. So he gets all this stuff in the house, too. I mean, that's a great deal. Um, <laughs> You know, because if you go back to the hospital scene, he was, his whole thing that took him there was about, I want to come back and I want to do what I was doing. And he mm. had to admit to his, the other doctor friend there, you know, uh, this is weird, I know, but uh, it's not about that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. All right, we're running out of time and running out of power on our recorder here, so we got to wrap this up. Uh, it's been fun, Carmen. Thank Thanks. you, thank you all for being with us. Remember, if you wanna, if you wanna do this with me and review the brave movie Heart. Braveheart, if your heart is brave, <laughs> hit me up on Facebook and we'll talk about it. So we'll see y'all. God bless you. Bye bye. Thank you, ladies. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Worldview Media Podcast. Please visit reconstructionistradio.com to check out the other podcasts in our network and to download our free audiobooks. <laughs>